So yeah, it's so it's so like just great to see you again. First of all, to see you again, but also just to be back actually in person doing this podcast because we've been uh we we've just been doing virtual for the last for the last little while. I know. That must be so annoying though, like yeah. bad connection and like cutting out <laughs> in the audio and yeah. all of that yeah. stuff. Like we were doing press junkets where we were just doing like five minute increments with like different news outlets. I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. And it was just so like I, I felt so awkward because like I was with Griffin, Griffin Gluck during yeah. during them, and like he would like cut out in certain parts, and you were like, "Do we go back and repeat that?" Or like, oh, no. but like the clock is ticking down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. So I'm glad. Like I'm so glad that things are coming back in person because I love just like getting yeah. out of the house, seeing faces, and getting to meet people. And yeah. I mean, I've known you for about three years now. For a few years, yeah. 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 Wild man. Wild. I know. Well, we'll we'll track back and we'll talk about we'll talk <laughs> about where we first met, but also um just going back to yeah, just going back to the virtual stuff. It's like so were you doing like you were doing those interviews all were they all live or, or were a lot of them pre-recorded? All pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep, all pre-pre-recorded in my living room. <laughs> okay, great. So are you like, is it like a nerve-wracking thing to like set up your background and like make sure everything's like very proper and, and oh, stuff? Or do you have someone helping you with that? Or? No, it's all me. It's oh. all me. Um, so for the premiere of season two, because we, because of COVID and stuff, we unfortunately couldn't have like the big like red carpet thing, yeah. which sucks because like I thrive in those situations. Okay. Like, I don't know what it is about me, but I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> I love it. So when I heard that season two, especially because season two is such a big big season for my character Eden I was like I was devastated in Lock and Key like yeah, yeah. the fuck yeah. <laughs> um but they sent us these these big backgrounds and so I thought we were going to use those for the press junkets and we ended up not um so I was like just setting up all my plants in the background trying to make it like look nice and stuff um yeah. but yeah so it was just like I, I'd set up everything I was so nervous I have never been so like anxious before something because I had never done a press junket before. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff that I'm going through right now are all firsts. Like this is a first experience for so many things. So I was just like riddled with anxiety leading up to it. Like the night before, like I could hardly even sleep. I was just like, oh, wow. oh my God, how's it going to go? Like I wrote out this piece of paper that had like all the words to describe Eden, all of the words to describe like the, the thing, like how I felt about um, filming because mm -hmm. Griffin and I just use the word fun a lot. And yeah. we were like every <laughs> single time we probably did like 30 press uh junkets like a day like yeah. uh, interviews a day and we just kept on saying fun and for each one it was a new person being like oh cool yeah it was fun but we yeah. were like oh my god that's like the 15th time today where we just like can't come up with a board better than fun right now <laughs> like so i had this yeah. piece of paper behind my computer where i was just like all of these like audacious and like <laughs> just anything that sounded a little bit more fun than fun yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's so funny and and for people who are listening that don't know what a press junket is mm. um can you chat about that so press junket is basically um so in-person press junkets is what most people probably know about where you see the actor sitting beside like a poster of their show uh, of the movie that they're promoting and you get all of these different news outlets who come in and ask you like a couple of questions. They probably have five minutes. Some press junket, press um, news outlets will have like 10 minutes. It depends. And they'll come in and ask you however many questions. And um, you're there probably for a couple hours. We were doing, 
I think it was like four, three to four hours of this. And um, it's really intense. Like I, I personally love it because I love just like chatting and yeah. I don't mind it now. Um, after the anxiety subside, I was like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Um, but I can totally see how like, you know how those, uh, you'll see like, oh, the actor gets all snooty about something yes. at this press release. It's probably because they've been asked that question 20 times that yeah. day. And it's yeah. like, come up with something else. Please stop asking me like about my outfits. Like ask me about like the core values of my character or something interesting. Yeah. Um, but luckily like in, in virtual press junkets, they weren't asking about the outfits. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so it, press junkets are just like yeah. a way to get the, like maximize our exposure to news outlets. Right. Great. And, and, um, and so in, and so in doing that, then how long, like, um, do you find yourselves doing that like weeks at a time or like how, how, how long do you, do you find the, those so processes? So for season two, it was only two days. Okay. Um, and then I'll do like my publicist has linked me up with a bunch of different like press to do outside of those press junkets. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I consider myself pretty green in this industry still. I'm still getting into it. I'm still like learning the ins and outs of it. Like I said, this is a lot of new stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that in-person press junkets for something like um, like Red Notice or something like yeah. that, which I watched last night. It was a great Me too. movie. It was so much yeah, fun. I fun. loved it. Yeah. Um, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, love him. <laughs> um, but those, they would probably go to different cities, maybe, like different uh, okay. countries. Like I'm not 100% sure because I haven't done that, but yeah. they could happen over a long period of time. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so I guess, um, well, just to... Uh, I guess so track back so um, uh, how do we like where did we where did we meet that's 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 probably a good, <laughs> good place to start I mean we future of film future showcase. film showcase yeah, yeah. and so um, I think it was on a whim where we were doing so we had an after party and we had decided that we wanted to do a musical guest and so I just I thought of you because I, th- I like I had seen you perform somewhere um, but I put out a call as well like I put out a call for yeah. uh, musicians and um, uh, I I had noticed you because I, I had seen some sort of performance you B-side did somewhere. lounge maybe? Possibly but it was recorded and it was posted. Um, oh, okay. So I saw it online somewhere. Yeah, it was probably on my Instagram or, or something like I, because we yeah. have a lot of uh, mutual, mutual friends, friends like Zach yeah. Goldstein, Goldstein and stuff like. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it was probably probably something like that. But but anyway, so I saw that, and then so I we we got you to perform there. You did great, and um, that was like the last live screening. Well. Not the last, there will be another one, but uh, that was the most recent live screening because mm-hmm. in 2020 we were virtual on mm-hmm. on CBC and, and 2021 as well. So it's like, um, so we haven't had a moment like mm-hmm. that, like that again. Yeah. Um, and that, that event is still sort of like ingrained in my memory yeah. as being like the sort of like calling card for FOFS and, and being sort of the last hurrah. Um, but... But even in that moment, though, I don't think, yeah, like, we didn't know each other that well. No. Um, 
but you had oh. performed and you had done great. And okay. um, you, uh, you, you, <laughs> you mentioned earlier there was a picture that you found yeah. of, 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 of us at the after uh, after, the party. after 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 party. Which is, sitting, which, I just remember <laughs> sitting on the floor with you. Okay, great. We were just sitting chatting. Just chatting. And yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. okay, yeah. I like this dude. You're yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I, I had just gotten into music again. I come from a really musical family, but I mm-hmm. um, kind of rebelled against it because my dad was this like incredible music teacher who was taught like thousands of kids. He started mm-hmm. the Claude Watson program at Earl Haig, which was the high school I went to. Wow. And I didn't get into the music program. Yeah, and, he's, and he, he started like that. he was one of the founding like oh, wow. people at Claude Watson. Yeah, um, with like six other people who started like the the vocal, the drama, the dance, and visual arts and whatnot programs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get into the vocal or the acting program, which was like really hard as a kid to be wow. like, yo, yeah. my dad like started this but he there was no nepotism there you know like there was no nepotism of just being like getting me into the industry or the the program I just like wasn't a very strong academic student I have really bad ADHD so um they were like we can't give you this extra course load but meanwhile all the kids in my school were like nah you just suck you know like that Uh, kind of thing which just sucks yeah but um my brother is also like an incredible multi-talented like multi-instrument instrumental producer so I rebelled against it for so many years and then I was doing background on a film called Who You Know with um, my friend Stevie Joffe I didn't know he wasn't my friend at the time he was just like the lead on the movie who mm-hmm. I got chatting with and he told me that he he is mainly focused on his band Birds of Elwoods and I was like dude my brother's Austin Jones he did all the trumpet on your album like, oh, wow. I've never met you guys before because I wasn't in that world yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah, And we were instant friends, and he in- introduced me to um, an open mic in Toronto. I became obsessed with it. Like, I would write two songs a week, and I would, like, ended up with 40 songs at the end of, like, six or seven months. And that's, I guess, when you reached out to me for the Future of Film Showcase, and I was like, yeah, like, I, I have plenty of songs. But it was weird because it was just acoustic. And yeah. I got to the point around that that point where I was like, I want to play with my brother's friends. Like, these guys are Humber, University of Toronto, jazz musicians, incredible, incredible people. And uh, Jackson Steinwall, uh, one of my brother's friends, started this thing called the Big Fam Jam, mm. which is basically, um, it's now every Tuesday nights, it was mo- Monday nights, um, at the supermarket in Kensington Market, where people just, like, get up and, like, improvise all night like you can just tap out another musician and you just switch like the drummers will switch the piano player will switch yeah and the vocalist which i do will just switch throughout the night there's like it's all improv unless someone starts like doing a cover or something so um it's interesting to see like how far my musical journey has come since the future of film showcase because it's like I remember I was wearing those like yellow pants and yes. like I just remember the yellow pants like yeah. the the metallic jacket and like <laughs> my sparkly white Doc Martens and long hair and I was like oh that little girl like <laughs> how far she has come um yeah. and it's just like my whole musical journey since then is I mean to be fair like on our end as well like we were still uh you know we were still at the time only a one night yeah but only a one day <laughs> festival you know yeah. like and it was and it was crazy to think that you know like we had started uh I guess just a bit of 
you know, background on the, on the festival. Like we had started when we were 18 years old mm. and we were like, you know, 19, 20, um, you know, 20 when we had locked in Cineplex and we were actually having like, 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 you know, business interactions and this was like bigger than us now. Uh, but even in that moment when you had come on, like, it, you know, we were only in our sixth year, we were still a one night festival and uh, we were still growing and, you know, I found it crazy that like actors from like Michaela Krimsky from Firecrackers had attended mm. and she had just heard of it. Like that was crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now, uh, now we're on CBC Jam, we're national and we have a lot more uh, of a larger team and, and a national or on a national stage now with, with CBC and, and, and it's just an entirely different beast now. Mm-hmm. Um, but to think about where it's come, like I, oh. I could feel very similarly to what you're saying. Yeah. Like we were still very much just new and thriving and stuff. Yeah. Right? Babies. Yeah. I also yeah. want to correct. I said, God, is that Goldstein? It's because Zach Goldkind. Oh, is that Goldkind? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Zach, as, if you're watching. As soon as listening. I said it, I was like, I really hope that he's like not listening to this no, because okay. like I went to high school with Zach. Yeah. So, and he was like a really, a good friend of mine in high school and I want to I have I need to reach out to him he's, yeah he's great he's no he's amazing and and uh he just wrapped uh like he just did a, a thesis film and he did like a feature oh, really? um yeah for his pro, for his program at, at York so he's been he's been doing really well yeah. and that actually gets me thinking maybe that's who had recommended yes you I probably was I'm making the connection now yes yeah. uh but I did see a video of you of you playing yeah um, yeah probably um, was Zach because yeah. he's just he's the best <laughs> and and another connection I had gone to I went to Cardinal Carter Academy for oh, the Arts okay. yeah right around yeah. the corner from we used to yeah. we used to play um no we didn't play sports against you we just had like a school rivalry Oh, yeah. There was, like, it was never, we never, like, actually had the school rivalry in the form of, like, sports or music or anything like that. It was just known that you guys were the the art school down the street. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And you guys wore, like, didn't you guys wear uniforms? Yeah, like, like that, (laughs) uh, like that, like, checkered skirt. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I always kind of wanted a uniform because I was like, oh, that would make getting ready in the morning easy. But then, like, I feel like clothing expresses so much that I feel like being in the school with uniforms would be really... And that, that's something that we, we had chatted, there was, like, chatter about for so long. And when we had, like, like Civvy's Day, for example, mm-hmm. and people would just, like, go all out and, mm-hmm. and whatever, right? But, but no, I, I, like the, I like what you say about, like, clothes sort of expressing mm-hmm. your, your personality. And you chatted a little bit about it even before when, you, like, you remembered the exact outfit you were wearing to, yeah. to the festival. Yeah. And so it's, like, how do you feel, I mean maybe a strange question but how do you how do you feel even since then that like has your fashion like sort of evolved like, oh do you my feel god like, dude do you feel like it's evolved from your <laughs> from your so personality much. um yeah. fun story i went i was in la last week and i went to my first hills party like beverly hills like oh cool super cool like infinity pool like oh wow <laughs> all the coolest people like ew. <laughs> i've ew. never been invited to one no. of those so that's pretty cool uh, well i just tagged along i wasn't invited yeah. either i no, just tagged cool. along we that's had a fun. hard time getting in because it was just like this guy at the door was like you have to have like a specific <laughs> invitation we're like well we just came because we heard the music anyway um cool. i had been vintage shopping the day before and i got this like really cool jack daniels like shirt that when i bought it the guy was like that's been there for a while and I never knew how anyone would style that but like that's how you style it and I was it was the thing with me is I love a crop top same with Eden Hawkins just love that and then baggy pants and like a baggy shirt like the one I'm wearing now yeah and I remember going to this party 
And all the girls were, like, wearing, like, heels and, like, tight dresses and, like, just I felt like a lot of what they were wearing, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but, like, a lot of what they were wearing was for men, like, mm -hmm. to, for the male gaze. Yeah. And for me, I was just wearing, like, these, like, baggy pleather pants, like a crop top and this big Jack Daniels shirt over top and, like, my filas, like, just sneakers. And I felt so comfortable and I felt like really just cool in myself because I didn't feel like I was wearing anything seeking approval from anyone else for what I was wearing. Like I just yeah. felt like I was wearing what was comfortable to me and it was still cool. Like I still, I still, let, I love fashion. I love dressing up. I'll wear a dress whenever like I feel like it, but um, I feel way more comfortable wearing, you know, what I wear now compared to back then where I felt like I was seeking more out external validation in what I was wearing yeah. um, and seeking more of the male gaze. And now I'm just more comfortable in just if someone is interested in what I'm wearing, they'll come up to me or like they'll be interested in me more yeah. so than what I'm wearing. And like they won't see me as like, meat <laughs> yeah. you know that they yeah, yeah. could you know benefit from in some way or another but like yeah. my fashion has totally evolved since then like it's way less girly um I mean depends on the day but definitely when it comes to like my day-to-day -day, I mean <laughs> I like something that's more comfortable and still you know still a little bit of a statement here and there but yeah my fashion is constantly evolving and I just feel way more comfortable in myself now yeah just so nice <laughs> yeah no that's a, that's a great point and I, and I think like you know at the end of the day um at the end of the day, I think especially in this industry, it's sort of like it's sort of a weird it's sort of a weird compromise because mm -hmm. people are always people are always talking about what people are wearing or who people mm -hmm. are wearing. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think you know, like yeah, sure that could that could stand out, but I think it's really genuine. Sort of just come in with yourself, mm -hmm. and I think that's 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 sort of what you have to bring. What you have to bring to anything that you do in the industry yeah. is, is yourself. And yeah. um, so tracking back now, like you you mentioned, so you grew up in a musical mm -hmm. family, and so how was that? Like, was acting always on the horizon? I assume, or or, or music, or um, um, just the arts in general. The arts in general. Yeah. I mean, I've never been. I've never escaped it. It's just been something that's been so. Like, it's so natural to me. Um, this is a horrible story, but um, <laughs> one of my family's favorite stories is when I was, like, four or something. I was up at my family's uh, cottage, my grandmother's, um, like, breakfast nook, and they were all, all the adults were talking, and I just wanted to sing for everyone or something. And I stood there, this little audacious four-year-old and I put my hands on my hips and I said everybody stop talking I'm the star and <laughs> like I said it's a horrible story but it's just like every time I talk to anyone about this like this is what comes to mind because as much as I don't carry around that mentality with me um it's always been something where I've, I've, I'm, I'm an Aries. I'm a Type A person. I'm named after a volcano. I'm a fire sign. I'm just super fiery. I'm, I've yeah. always been involved in, in the performing arts. Um, like I remember just getting any role I had applied for in elementary school and middle school. Like I was Sharpe Evans in our middle school rendition of the High School Musical. Amazing. I and was Ryan. Like really? I, I was Ryan. Yeah. No yeah. way. I know. It was. It was so fun. It was I, yeah. What a time. Um, 
Yeah, but that, like, kind of set me up, I feel like, especially for Eden Hawkins, because she's literally Sharpay Evans, just a little bit crazier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like I said about the music, I kind of I kind of pushed away from it. I rebelled away from it um, because I didn't get into the acting or vocal program at Earl Hegg. And that really, like, tore me to shreds for a long time, but it's, in the long run, been one of the best things that's ever happened for me because... It taught me that rejection is, it's all up to me to to allow rejection to do whatever it's going to do. Um, because in, I'll expand on that. Uh, yeah. In this industry, I will do, oh God, dozens, hundreds of auditions and never hear a single word back. It's not even a no or like, oh, like your eyes are blue. We want someone with brown eyes. Like we're, we just don't like the way that you went. There's no rhyme or reason a lot of the time for why I don't get a job. And as much as I had a reason back then in, in school for why I didn't get into the program, my friends, not my friends, but the peers at school didn't believe that. They were like, you know, you just aren't good enough. And so I was taught from that age that um, I'm going to see rejection. I'm going to see, you know, not being accepted throughout my whole career. Yeah. And I just have to recognize that I'm not, that's not my journey. That's just not my journey. Yeah. And that's been, now I can look back on, on that and say, yes, that is the best thing that ever happened to me because it taught me to persevere and continue going for what I want, no matter what anyone else says. Like, if if it's something that brings me joy, something that I love doing, and something that I want to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stop at anything just because someone else says that I'm not capable, you know? Totally. I'm just going to use that as fuel for myself. Um, so that was, like, a, a really great lesson. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're, well, we're trailing around. But, no, I think that those were great points that you that you made, though. I think, like, that is essentially, um, like, even just, uh, well, so we were talking about sort of, like, growing up in a mm. creative family. Yes. But uh, I guess just to, just to echo off of that, like, I also, like, I acted when I, like, for about 10 years, um, like, film, TV, theater, um, mm. and then I just... I stopped once I had gotten into university and sort of just went behind the camera. Um, but I, like, going on, you know, all kinds of auditions, three, four in a day, pulled out of school here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I, I learned about rejection at a very early age because I think, like, when you first start acting and you're going on all these auditions, you're like, oh, my God, like, mm-hmm. I'm going on four, five, six mm-hmm. in the week because because I'm going to get booked mm-hmm. because they want to see me. and And... Because they want to see you is totally is totally valid and it's totally fair, um, but they also want to see all kinds of people, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was sort of like a really difficult thing for me to digest when I was younger. Totally, um, and something that I've sort of like brought into my work now, and 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 I'm sure you as well. And and um, in in terms of like your so in terms of growing up now with your family and everything, were you always um, were you always you were always sure that you were going to end up in the arts? In some way or another. I considered psychology. I considered journalism. How's that going? Uh, well, actually, my therapist was like, you should really consider, like, studying psychology. Like, you seem to have, like, a knack for, like, dissecting the human mentality. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm really trying. Um, yeah. But I love psychology um, so much. I find it really interesting. I, I think it's also a really great thing to potentially, like, 
study for acting as well because what actors are doing is basically putting ourselves into the psychology of our character. Yeah. And um, it's true. I love it. I love it so much. Like, why is this character doing this thing? Like, what's gotten them to this point? Um, and we have to have empathy for our characters too because no even the worst villains don't think that they're doing some th- the wrong thing they think they're doing the right thing for themselves so what's the psychology be- behind that um but i remember in grade 12 um like i said because i had really bad adhd i that went kind of un- undiagnosed until mid grade 12 um and so my grades were too bad at that point to even apply to school um I think I applied to Sheridan for drama like on a whim and um I got in I didn't go best thing I did was not go because I was just like I am not a school type I love learning yeah and I I truly say for anyone out there who is not fitting into the box of what institutionalized education is expecting of you that doesn't mean that learning is not something that like that you're capable of. It's just you need different ways of learning. And I think a lot of the the educational system, um, specifically the one I went through, which is in Toronto, Canada, which is a great system, but it's just it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm constantly learning. I'm always Googling things like, why does this thing do this thing? Um, but uh, I lost my what's the question again? <laughs> well, so you. Well, it, I, I, I think it was a good point. You were you were on a trajectory for it, where, where it was like you were understanding that, like you know, you were understanding still at a young age what your where your priorities oh, lie. Did I want to go? Did you I want to always go into acting? Yeah, or, yeah. Like was that always on the horizon? Yeah, I yeah. think I think it was always at the back of my mind, and with university and college and stuff being like, I had someone come up to me and ask like oh, like, are you going to school for anything? And I said, no. And they literally said to me, you're not going to do much with your life without a university degree. Mm. And I went through, I think grade 12 was a really dark year for me because of a lot of that stuff, Um, because I didn't know where I was going. I ended up taking a gap year. I went to Australia to be an au pair and look after some kids for like six months. Oh, wow. And that was a great opportunity. But... This idea that you have to go to school in order to be successful is such a sham. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with how expensive school is. Like, are you kidding me? I'm not saying don't go to school. Like, if yeah. you have something that you want to do, do it. But I truly believe that a gap year is so beneficial for anyone, even if you know what you want to do. Like, taking that year, time off to find to find just, like, your core values and who you are on your own without this, like... 8.30 till 3.30 school um, structure, yeah. you know, because we're doing that since we're a kid and then we go to university and then we go into a full-time job and then we have, like, kids and then you realize when you're, like, 56 years old, you don't know who you are. Yeah. And a gap year is so incredible because it just offers you this opportunity to sit with yourself, which I, which is great. The positive silver lining of COVID was that a lot of people had to sit with themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, so back to your question, um, that's my ADHD being like, here's like a million different things well, that I could tell you about. I think you told me, well, I think you mentioned something very, very cool where it was like, you know, finally now during COVID, people were forced to sit with themselves and think and ruminate sort mm-hmm. of on, on who they are. Um, I was told, uh, uh, well, it was, it was a while back, it was my, my mom that had said this and she sort of made a comment 
and she was like, you know, all these like younger people, like they have such a, a better understanding of themselves because they do the work, mm. you know, and it's, and, and, you know, doing the work, it was so taboo mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually like, you know, talking about your feelings yeah. and, uh, like even like we see, you know, cycles and cycles of generational abuse get passed down yeah. because people aren't like fully uh, understanding sort of who they are from a young age and taking that time. So I think that's yeah. incredibly valid. Well, you know. intergenerational trauma is so real and breaking intergenerational trauma is a, a constant effort. Like, yeah. and I think what's so beautiful, as much as there are like a lot of negative things about social media, I think the a beautiful thing about social media is how much we can learn about ourselves through the sharing of stories through other people. Mm-hmm. And for so long, um, talking about, it's like, hey, I'm depressed. No, sweetie, you're just sad, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's, there's so much that we can learn through other people's stories of being like, oh, I I feel like that. Like, how is this person dealing with it? And, of course, it's good to expand, um, you know, stories to other people and how they're dealing with it because there's no one way of dealing with mental health issues and and life in general. <laughs> like, really? life is not a one-way street. It's like a bajillion, like, crazy craziness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great definition. Yeah, yeah, there's just, like, a billion avenues of craziness. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so great to see people sharing stories and to be offered this opportunity to learn more about ourselves because for so long I think we only had one one opportunity like our our family you know we only had the family and our community to tell us how they were feeling and a lot of the time they wouldn't share those things because it's vulnerable, you know? It's a vulnerable thing, and I think so many generations just, like, bottled it up. And it's funny when people say, like, oh, this this generation is so angsty or why are so many people depressed in this generation and why, especially when it comes to, to queer, the queer community, it's like, why is everyone coming out as queer? It's like, yeah. it's not that everyone is like this generation like drank a potion and now everyone's just like gay and something. <laughs> like it's that this yeah. generation is more accepting and people feel more comfortable to come out and talk about their stories. And right. that's the same with mental health issues and um, everything like we're finally given this this space to be ourselves yeah. and share our stories and be supported by a community that says, hey, I see you, I hear you, I'm here for you, yeah. and I, I've been there too. Um, and before, like, you didn't have that, you know? Like, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, didn't have that, and still a lot of people don't. Um, so social media offers this incredible wide range of communication that helps us deepen our understanding of ourselves and and the world around us, which I think is so, so lovely. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this generation because of it. There are other things that I'm like, (laughs) I don't like this, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool to see people sharing their stories and absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also being, uh, I I think as far as creatives are concerned, that's also being reflected in what people are making now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the projects that people are making and associating themselves with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, it, you know, it's one of the reasons why uh, this podcast was started a few years ago where, you know, it's because people were like, 
I, I felt like if I can't, if I can't see or talk to people frequently, mm-hmm. why don't I get together and get to know, you know, get mm-hmm. to know more people and also like, and just in talking, you know, like that's what helps me. And that's what I feel like helps with, helps a lot of people that come on this show is just to sort of, it's just to sort of chat. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's what I think is really important. Um, and what we have to bring awareness to. And it seems so simple though. Mm-hmm. It seems so simple to just talk to somebody. And it seems so it's like it's like, oh, well, all I have to well, it's like, no, you're you're sitting down you're and you're and you're really like sharing parts of yourself that you may not have shared before. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's scary. And there's also you know? the difference between talking to someone and talking with someone. Yeah. And, and like listening. And, yeah, yeah, and totally. communicating with somebody, mm-hmm. because a lot of the times we can. It's like the like, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. You know, like that's yeah. that's talking to someone not with them, and each party is talking to that person. It's yeah. like, you know, like it's just this very like masked up, safe version. And of course, I mean, when you go to, you know, your morning coffee and and there's a line behind you, you're not going to be like, hey, I'm going through all this stuff <laughs> and like I'm you know having a really difficult time. I'm not doing that fine. And yeah, you know, there's a time and place for all of that. But I think it's it's great that we're becoming a lot of people are becoming more in tune with how they're feeling to be able to say like I've been better you know I'm, I'm kind of going through this thing right now but I'm working through it it's really nice to see you mm-hmm. um how are you doing and it, you know it's just opening up those lines of communication that I think for so long and still to this day a lot of people just aren't willing to do to do that or don't know how to because they haven't seen that accurately for like um, reflected in, in their home values or mm-hmm. their social circles up into that point. And I think the most beautiful thing that one can do is is sit down with a friend and just be like, hey, I honestly, I'm having a hard time right now. And especially during COVID, yeah. you know, um, it's I've seen my friends blossom um, from that experience, you know, and and for so long, it's like, we went through such a dark period of time of just being alone. Yeah. And, you know, some people had it worse off than others, but that doesn't invalidate anyone's experience. Everyone experienced COVID, uh, the pandemic in one way or another. Um, But I feel like a lot of people really gained from the experience this opportunity to sit down and Mm self-reflect and... um, talk about it or or just like starting to talk about it and it will take time um but that's such a i think that's one of the silver linings of of devastating year that we we just went through like we just lived through a global pandemic dude I know. like and that's still, freaking crazy and are still going through and, yeah and we still, still are going like, I, yeah exactly but but yeah. but yeah in, in the height of it i was gonna add like what was your like what was your situation like during, um, during COVID when you were um i guess at the height of it i I will admit my privilege in this that I was with my family up at our family cottage. Um, an incredibly privileged place to be. Yeah. Um, I was originally downtown um, in an apartment with a, with a friend. And just I remember sitting on my rooftop and not hearing anything. I was mm. at like college in Bathurst and I didn't hear anything. It was dead silent. I think I could hear what like ambulance it? like in the middle of the day. Wow. I think I could hear ambulances in, like, Mississauga. Like, it was just, it was the most eerie, 
weird, like no dog barking, no yeah. dogs barking, no cars, no nothing. It was just this eerie silence. And yeah. I remember sitting there because I had sit on, I had sat on the roof so many times over the, um, I guess I was there for a year, over the year that I was living there. And I loved the bustle. You know, you could hear construction, you could hear people talking, people laughing, music playing, and it was just dead silent and that was like yeah. the height of it where people like we were washing our groceries like that was the height of it like okay. april you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah and i the show had come out in february i was in la for the month i came back there was a week and then the world shut down so i also had no concept of like how right. popular lock and key was until like last week <laughs> like i was like oh whoa okay people watch this yeah um yeah but then in may my brother and I went up to our family cottage and we set up a recording stu- like a recording studio. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and we wrote and produced 16 songs over the course of four months. Wow. Yeah, we went in. Like, it just, bleh, like, it All just of which came you've released already? Or? No. No, You're they are making... sitting in the archives and they are <laughs> not doing anything at all. Oh, um, no. Apologies for my, I don't even, my accents, just like, just me putting oh, together good. a weird rhyme of melodies. No, it's talent. No, no. <laughs> but I just, well, that's fine. Um, but I was going to say, so So actually to echo that feeling of, of quiet, for me it was like having been, uh, I was I was producing a feature, my first feature that I was producing, and we wrapped on March 14. Mm, oh and I was God. like on the way back, March yeah. 15. Yeah. And I was I was just driving a truck and I stopped by a gas station, went inside, and there was a small little TV in the upper corner. Justin Trudeau was like announcing like Locker. it was that speech, like, you know, stay home. Like if you're Canadian and you're outside of the country, come home now. And, and just picture this, like let's say six or seven people all there just like looking up, just like looking up at this TV. And I walk in like, the fuck is happening? Now, granted, I, okay, I knew COVID obviously was a thing that was going on, but like when you're shooting, like you're not like, you're totally dazed. I'm not reading the news, like, or watching it, whatever. Um, But we were coming down the hotel lobby and it was like, oh, Justin Trudeau's getting tested. Justin Trudeau's wife's getting tested. His wife has it. Tom Hanks has it. You know, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks has it, and we were all like, that's, oh! like that's it. It's over. Yeah, Tom it's Hanks, over. It's done. <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but at, at, at that gas station, I was like looking up, and I looked at this guy next to me. I'm like, are you waiting in line? He's like, no, just, just watching. And then I like went to the front after his speech had ended, and the guy came back, and he's like, how are you paying? I'm like, well, I have cash. I had like petty cash on me. He's like, well, I can't take cash or maybe, maybe I can. He was like getting gloves and oh, it was, uh, it was, it was mental. Yeah. And obviously then coming back and, um, and then just going to quarantine the day after. Oh dude, I was, time. I got back from, uh, LA on March 2nd. Yeah. Something, I think it was March 2nd. And no mask. I didn't wear a mask on on the plane or anything. I mean, yeah. Like, well, like it just, it no wasn't... one knew about, my parents gave me a mask. They gave me, oh. so they, because my was uncle. Was anybody else wearing a mask on the plane? No. Oh, okay. My uncle was, um, like, he he reads, like, the, the national doctor's journals and stuff like that, like, whatever they're called. Yeah. And he knew about COVID in, like, January. And they oh. had gone to, like, Costco and, like, stocked up on things and stuff like that. I, he gave me one of his, like, um, uh, he does woodwork. He gave me one of those woodwork, like, a KN99 okay, masks. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it was, like, more intense than that. Oh, okay. And um, 
I didn't like I didn't wear it because I was like, I'm not right. <laughs> and then on March 6th, my friend's band, Busty and the Bass, performed at the Danforth, which was a sold out show over 500 people at the Danforth. Oh my God. And then on like the, the, I think that was like a Thursday or a Friday. And then on Monday, it was the fam jam. And that was the last fam jam. And then it just completely shut down and the world went silent. And it was so weird um, because it was just like I was supposed to hang out with one of my friends, Emily Steinwall, um, to make a song. And she was like, are we still hanging? Like, what's mm -hmm. going on? Like, maybe we should push this to like two weeks from now. Yeah. The two <laughs> Fast weeks. forward a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, and it was just super eerie, super strange. Um and then my mom's birthday is in May, so we went up for her birthday and we ended up just staying there. And my brother was like, I kind of want to go back to the city, like, you know, like, see what's happening. I was like, dude, nothing's happening there. Like, I, stay here with your family. This is yeah. like, my family consists of like seven of us. Um, so we were all up there together mm -hmm. and we ended up just staying, making a bunch of music. We actually ended up doing this thing. We're on a lake and we have this, like this, uh, boathouse that we set up all of our music instruments on. Yeah. And every Saturday or every second Saturday, we would put on a show for the lake. And so people would come out in their boats, you oh, know, like wow. all awesome. COVID stay like safe. Like all related, like all yeah. in the neighborhood. Yeah. And we would do a bunch of covers and we would do this, whatever songs my brother and I made that week. Yeah. And um, so we would like try out the songs uh, for the lake and stuff, which was really cool. But uh, to answer your question, no, none of the songs are out. We are <laughs> working on them right now. There is a song called yeah. Garden of Eden. Okay. that we cool. made um i had like we had been watching season one again and at the end of episode three there's a song called thrill thrills or something um speak louder by the thrills i think and i was like oh this song is so cool i want to make a song for the show like the show and that night it came to me like a dream like the chorus of the song came to me like a dream and the next day i went to my brother and i was like i have this idea we have to record it and we went right into the studio and we made it that day wow. um and we made so many songs but none of them have really come out i'm a very indecisive human when it comes to music like yeah um my brother and i both have paralysis by analysis so what's that it's like we just get paralyzed by overanalyzing music and um like music specifically uh everything oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> unfortunately Dang. um but yeah music more so i think because it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to do like music is just i i had gone through like this really bad breakup that lasted over a couple of years that was just very toxic and and all over the place and with every song, I felt like I kind of shed a little piece of my soul that had been connected to that person yeah. with it. So like, for me... Uh, processing the breakup mm -hmm. happened over a few years. Yeah, yeah, it was like it was in and out of each other's lives kind of thing. Yeah. And so writing this music with my brother was this opportunity to like just put it all out on the table and just be like, this is how I feel. This is how it happened. And this is it. And so with putting out those... So, like putting out those songs they mean a lot to me so I want them to be to their best you know level mm -hmm. and also the thing with ADHD is like if you move on to the next thing the other thing is just like it's hard to get back to perfecting another thing okay. so we were making song after song after song so most of the songs that we have right now are like two days of work 
Like okay. they need to go in and, and like be fixed up and yeah. re-record the vocals and stuff. So that's something that we actually want to work on. We are working on. So Garden of Eden is being worked on. We want to release that in early November, um, hopefully. And uh, there's another song, Colder, that I want to release probably like late November. Um but I have stuff on SoundCloud that I want to put out too that I've self-produced. Mm-hmm. I'm not a producer by any means, like professionally, but I have a lot of songs that I've made on my own time that yeah. um, it's an album called As Is, mm-hmm. and they're just songs that are as they are. And it's like they're not going to be professionally mixed and like mastered. And everything, they yeah. are made when they were made. They show my evolution as a producer, and they're just, like, a pure representation of where I was at that time. Um, I'm not redoing any of the vocals. (laughs) Like, (laughs) if there's something that's a little bit off, that's just, like, part of the soul of it. Like, so I'm actually going to probably make that public this week. Um, just like, I just sometimes just need to like, no, and then walk away, like close my eyes. Well, I think it's like, even as, even as creatives who are making, um, who are making very personal projects, I think that they hold, sometimes they have their projects at a chokehold, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they refuse to sort of like release it for whatever reason or, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, show it to people because they are so married to yeah. it and achieving the very perfect sort of like uh, frame around it. Um, and I think if there's anything that I've learned really from creating is that like there will be rough work all the time. That you're never going to be 100% satisfied. And if you mm-hmm. wait um, until you are, then you may never not, you may never release anything. Yeah. Um, exactly. Something we've actually chatted about on the show quite often is a creator's responsibility, a creator's responsibility for their work. Mm. Um, I read this thing recently where it was like, you know, yeah, sure, people want to be directors, people want to be actors, people want to be, you know, whomever they want to be. Mm. But they're not really like to have the dream is one thing, mm. but to not take responsibility for the dream is, mm. is another, you know. And I'm sure like I wanted to bring that up here because I'm I'm sure you've had many instances of that both being a creator yourself, but also an mm-hmm. actor and working on other people's projects. It's like, how have you sort of like, how have you sort of like, ma- like maneuvered through that minefield of not only putting in enough effort in your stuff, but also others? Dude, the responsibility for the dream. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just like, you might have to yeah. repeat the question because totally. that just kept on going in my brain over and over again. The responsibility yeah. for the, the dude. responsibility of the dream. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just rattled me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, it's something I think about quite often because I think, um, y- you know, I, I had this uh, I had this moment. Um, I was telling you earlier. I went to I went to Vancouver. I went to the Vancouver Islands and we went forest bathing and forest bathing very much is like you, you know, standing inside of a forest. It's essentially like a meditation, but you're doing a meditation within a forest surrounded by, you know, surrounded by nature, surrounded by trees, but like the, you're, you're, you feel enveloped, right? Mm. And there was no sound coming in at all. Like, like people jogging in the forest have to like clap behind you to tell you that they're there. And so forest bathing is you like, standing in this forest and completely immersed in this silence. And the only voice that you could hear is yourself. Wow. You know? And so when I talk about creator responsibility, I sort of connect it to also COVID, 
Mm-hmm. And and you know, you mentioned like you sitting up on this rooftop and that image that image you described is really striking. Mm-hmm. Nothing happening. Silence. And the streets, everything, maybe like in the distance, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a moment like that when I was driving through the city. Yeah. And uh there was no traffic. Nothing. Nothing at all. It was so nice. It took me like it took me. I'm uh, like it took me like what twenty five minutes to come from just north of the city into the city. What would normally be like a forty minute, yeah. forward five minute drive. Oh, the nice so days. When you're <laughs> right, so when you when you're looking at creator responsibility, like when and you're and you're completely like sort of immersing yourself in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, are you? Do you look to have that like silence? Similar to forest bathing, for example, do you look to have that complete silence in order to focus in on it? Well, it's funny because with the fam jam, I oh, that's so interesting. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for that little tidbit of like no that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because with the fam jam, it's like this loud room. It's like loud music. It's just a lot of people there. There's a lot going on and it's all improv. And I just, I get lost in that. Mm. And there's like this stillness in the chaos that I find Okay. with, with improvising yeah. where I have to just be present to the moment. If I mess up a lyric or like the thing is because it's improv, like I don't know what's coming next and I'm still getting better at freestyling. It's basically freestyling. Um, I was watching like YouTube videos of like how to freestyle rap. I'm not looking to rap, but I'm just looking for any like tidbits of information that I could use for my freestyling. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because with that, I sometimes come up with the best melodies and like the best hooks. And um, I, I do find this incredible, incredibly powerful moment of creating um, in the fam jam, which is like a loud environment. Um, but then the other day I went out for like a, a beer with a friend and we were talking about music and I ended up going home. It was like one in the morning. And um, I was in my new apartment just, like, I pulled up Logic, and I just found a loop on Splice.com, the best thing ever for any new producers who don't make in- play instruments. Um, <laughs> Splice is my holy grail. Um, and I just, I made, like, the first half of a song in, like, an hour because wow. it was just, like, me and the computer and this loop, and I loved the silence of, the middle of the night like I'm such a night owl like I love I love those quiet moments by myself mm-hmm. and but I do love the creating when I'm with other people because what I find is like for example um I had some friends over the day that the show released the season two of Lock and Key released and um a lot of the time like I I have this piano that I got where I've been learning again how to play piano. And so I said, anytime I feel like playing the piano, I'm going to just sit down and play. Play for five minutes, 50 minutes, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I'll overanalyze things and then, like, I won't, like, dedicate it to it and I'm just, like, making a noise. But then when I had my friends over and I sat down to play because I just felt compelled to play, I was like, don't mind me, guys. I'm going to just, like, play a piano over here. I feel like I played the best I ever played because I knew that other people were listening and I found that stillness and the chaos in that moment where I was like, just dedicate, if I make a mistake, play it two more times. Jazz, baby. (laughs) It's jazz. (laughs) But um, it's interesting because like, 
It depends because when it comes to writing, for example, I love writing. I have a hard time writing when I'm at home alone, but I can't play music when I'm writing because I'll get distracted by the music. Mm-hmm. But I do my best writing when I'm in a busy cafe, ah. which is weird because, like, I don't know if I think that people are like, which they aren't, but I don't know if people are like, is she actually doing work or is she just pretending to look like she's doing work? <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Which compels me to like, you know, really zone into it. So I can't listen to music, but I can be a, in a busy cafe. But if I'm there in my silence by myself, I'm just kind of like, I can really get into it. Or it depends on my brain because of ADHD. I'm just like, it depends on the day. Like, yeah. it depends on the day whether it's, like, a stillness or a chaos that I'm, like, really looking for. Yeah. But the middle of the night is probably where I feel most compelled to create. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. But <laughs> yeah. No, no. We covered we covered a lot. And, and and that sort of echoes my own sort of creative, creative processes as well and, like, sort of jumping between uh, still and chaotic moments. And, um, you know, I have an Italian family and, and you know, when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm at home and it's, like, Oh my God! Everybody, something's going on in every mm-hmm. single minute, and so I, cr- I also crave those, mm-hmm. those nights where I just have, com- when I have complete autonomy over, yep. you know, what I can be doing in in that said moment, because mm-hmm. um, it's so quiet and and so still, and and so, um, I guess coming coming out of all that now, like, what could you, what are you expecting? What are you expecting moving forward? What are you, what are you looking forward to moving forward? And I don't even mean that, by the way, in a work way, because mm-hmm. I think like the question of what are you working on next can also be like, I like, I like, like how are you, like you as a person, what are you looking forward to as a person? Personal growth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, creative um endeavors with new people and and meeting new people um i mean in the the nearest future uh painting my apartment (laughs) (laughs) i need to paint my apartment um i i don't know because it's it's interesting like (laughs) this is such a whack example but like i'll go to a, a, a thrift store and find like a jacket that will change my world like Mm. it will be it will just like lead me on to a new vibe like a new style or whatever which will lead me into like it same with with my characters um for example Eden like Eden on Lock and Key was just like when I put on her clothes she was there and so for me personally it's like I don't know because I could go to a vintage store tomorrow and get something new that will completely shift my my vibe over the next few days or few weeks or few months and lead me into new territory of myself that I have yet to discover. And that's why I personally love acting because it's just like it offers me this, this ability to morph into new perspectives of myself. And that's what I really see with acting is this constant, um, morphing of being Mm -hmm. and, finding finding these little moments um in day-to-day life as well as within the character that that shift my perspective of myself and the world around me um so going forward i mean i want to continue making music um i would love to book a job when it comes to acting which is like such a real thing of going it's weird because like Lock and Key was such a success and then I'm like, well, I'm, I haven't booked anything, you know? Yeah. My yeah, agents say that my tapes are great. Like I feel like my tapes are being really good, but it's just the project hasn't come yet. 
Yeah. And that's another thing going back to our early discussion about rejection is just like it's just not my journey right now. I'm not supposed to be working on something. What what is meant for me will find me when it's meant to find me. And right now is time to develop myself in order to prepare myself for a future job opportunity that I don't even know what it is yet. So, um, yeah, going forward, just like seeing – um, every day as a new opportunity to learn something new about myself and the world around me and, like, just knowing that all will find me when it's meant to happen, you know? So, uh. Amazing. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, it's been, it's been such a great time having you, Hilia, Thank you. Yeah, honestly. I love this. I'm really this glad. Great. Yeah, I'm really glad we could, we could uh, make, this, make this work. Yeah, I'm so happy out. to be back in person. I'm so happy to see you again. It's yeah, been, like, well. forever. It's been a long like, time. Like, a long time, yeah. yeah. It's been, it, it just feels like, it feels like an entirely new, like, yeah. area. Yeah. Um, meeting each other now and having seen each other before. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the next time we see each other, there's going to be, like, such great development on both More of our lives exactly. that I'm really excited <laughs> to, I'm excited to see. And, like, hopefully yeah. we can get onto set together. That yes. would be fun. That, that would be really fun. That would be, that would be insane. I'm just going to put that, that into the world as a manifestation Man- that we get yeah. onto set together. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, re- I'm receiving that. I'm receiving yeah, that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thank you so okay. much for having me. This has yeah. been awesome. No problem. Thanks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.